0: We're going to turn to God's Word, so let's, let's pray as we come to God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your provision. We thank you for your presence with us by your Spirit and speaking to us from your living Word. So, Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Folks, we're, we're turning to Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, and reading... Uh, Just a few verses from the end of the chapter. It would be good, though, if you'd like to have your Bible out or your device turned on, um, because we're going to walk through these verses together this evening. So, Matthew chapter 9, reading from uh, verse 35. And Matthew tells us this. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, into his harvest field. So this evening, we're continuing on in our uh, series, uh, or in our Harvest Thanksgiving tonight. Uh, we stepped out of our Freedom in Christ series, and we'll continue that next week. But tonight, we're, we're focusing on our Harvest Thanksgiving. And as we, as we give thanks to God for His faithfulness and His abundant provision and, uh, of all that we need, both practically and spiritually. And so I'd like us to pick up for a few moments on, on this passage of Scripture where Jesus specifically mentions Harvest. He mentions the word harvest three times in just a couple of verses. Harvest has always been an important theme, an important motif running throughout the entirety of the Bible. From from Genesis to Revelation, we see this talk of harvest. In Genesis 8, God promises that as long as the earth endures uh, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And then in Exodus 23, he exhorts, us to, he exhorts his people to celebrate the, the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops that you sow in your fields. And as the, the great big God story unfolds across the pages of Scripture, the, the talk of harvest moves from the, the, the physical harvest of crops to the spiritual harvest of souls. That's where it moves to. And, and it, it culminates in this great vision that God gives to St. John in Revelation 14, Speaking of the end times and of the, of the great harvest that is coming at Christ's return, John, John writes, he says, as he, he says, I looked and there before me was a white cloud. And seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now, this son of man is, is clearly Jesus. It's his favorite self-descriptor in the gospel. Then another angel came from the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he, he, he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. You see, that's the ultimate harvest which Christ is returning to reap. And tonight as we await his return, I believe that we have much to learn from these verses, to learn or to be reminded of from these verses in Matthew 9, that God wants to speak to us, to teach us something or to remind us of something tonight from these verses. So just as we might walk through a field of ripened grain or barley and pick a a few heads as we go, let us tonight walk through these verses and pick a few important truths as we go. Firstly, we we see the scope of Jesus' ministry. Verse 35a, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. There's so much in these verses we can easily skip over, but let's just take a moment each uh, to, to, to unpack this a little. You see, Jesus had a widespread geographical ministry. He didn't just stay in one place. He didn't just stay in one synagogue or one town or one village. And look, Jesus didn't wait for the people to come to him. It says here, Jesus went. Jesus went. He went to the people. And this is the ministry that he has given us. He has passed on to us to carry on. Jesus went. Jesus went to the people. You see, he went through all the towns and villages, it says. You see, increasingly, we use bypasses, don't we? So I was going off to Galway in the summer there. And like it used to be, you had to go through. You left from wherever, you know, Cumber. And you had to go through every wee town and village, all the way down through Ireland and out to the west. And it took you days to get to the west coast. But now, all these bypasses. So you just zip along there and you bypass most of the towns and villages. And in a few hours, you're in Galway. Jesus didn't work like that. Jesus went through every town and every village because Jesus was for every person. That's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. And he he didn't say, Nah, that's a poor area. I'll not go through there. Or now that's a Samaritan area, or I'll avoid that. Or no, those people think differently or look differently, I'll avoid them. Jesus went through all the towns and villages because Jesus is for everybody. And it's a little, doing this is a little precursor to, to Jesus later, what he would say in Matthew 28, when he would tell his disciples to go into all the world, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. You see, by doing this, Jesus was saying that every single person is to hear of the faith and the hope and the love that he offers. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. And we too, so as his body here and now on earth, we too are to go into all the towns and villages, the nice parts and the not so nice parts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, parts of our city, our nation, and our world with the gospel of Jesus. Secondly, we see the nature of Jesus' ministry. We see the scope of his ministry. Secondly, we see the nature of his ministry. 35b, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. You see, Jesus not only had a widespread ministry geographically, but his ministry was wide in its nature as well. He taught in the synagogues. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. He healed every disease and sickness. He had the power. And he did it. And Jesus, you see, has this ministry of proclamation with demonstration, the two always going hand in hand, proclamation and demonstration. He proclaims the good news of the gospel, and he backs it up with practical action, practical action that helps and heals and and, and blesses his hearers, just as the gospel will help and heal and bless his hearers spiritually. And that's the kind of ministry that the church is now called to today. A ministry of proclamation with demonstration. It's kind of alpha and food bank. It's Sunday worship and midweek fellowship. It's the two coming together to minister to the whole person. The whole person. And so in these verses we see the scope of Jesus' ministry. We see the nature of His ministry. And thirdly, we see the heart of the heart of Jesus' ministry. Verse 36a, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion on them. You see, here is a glimpse of Jesus' great compassion. His great love for all people. Yes, Matthew, we'll we'll get to the great commandment and the great commission. But first he tells us of the great compassion love that and we need to get this order right. You see, Matthew will get to the great commandment in chapter 22 of his gospel. He'll get to the great uh, great commandment to love God. He'll get to the great commission to to go and make disciples in, in chapter 28. But before that, he tells us of the great compassion. That's what fuels and compels and motivates us, folks. Once we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You see, if we are ever to get close to keeping the great commandment of Jesus or fulfilling the great commission of Jesus, we must first get the great compassion of Jesus. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, gladly bearing. He bled and died to take away my sin. This is the heart of Jesus' ministry. And this is the depth of Jesus' compassion. And Jesus' compassion is something that we see all the way through the Gospels. We read in Matthew 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Or again in Matthew 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. There's a real theme there, isn't there? I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and they've had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may faint and collapse on the way. And so he fed the 5,000. In Matthew 20, two blind men, Jesus had compassion on them, it tells us. And touched their eyes and immediately received their sight, and they followed him. You see, whether it's one person, two people, or 5,000 people, Jesus is compassionate. He has compassion. He never has compassion fatigue. His love endures forever. But Matthew tells us that Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. You see, compassion begins with seeing, not just glancing and looking away the other direction. But really, seeing people, seeing their, their needs, their hurts, taking our eyes up and off ourselves and onto other people, seeing the needs of others. How are we doing? How are we doing in having and showing compassion towards others? You see, Paul exhorts us in Galatians chapter six. He says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the appropriate time, at the proper time, we will, we will reap a harvest." We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Folks, let us not give up, but let us keep doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good. And so as we continue on our walk through this passage, fourthly, we see that fourthly, the situation of the people. 36B, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus is using imagery from the field and the farm that, that everybody would have got in his day. Everybody would have been familiar with it. Maybe we're a little little less familiar with some of the imagery in suburban Belfast. But I'm I'm a bit of a country boy, of course, and I have relatives who keep sheep and work on farms, and and, and I've, I've observed them over the years, and you know there are two things, two things that the shepherd is always looking out for amongst the sheep. And one is this, the sheep being worried or harassed by dogs. And you know, people can easily be dogged by things. By things like worries and anxieties and concerns and guilt. The dogs of life can harass us. Jesus sees that amongst those who have no shepherd. No shepherd to protect them. The other thing, the other situation that the shepherd is always looking out for as he looks over his sheep is is to see if there's one off its feet on its back. They can get off their feet onto their back. They, They lie there. They're stuck And they can't get back up again. The weight of the fleece holds them down, and and, and on their back they can die within hours if they're not rescued. That's what they're, they're helpless. That's what Jesus saw when he saw the people. They were helpless. It says like sheep, like a sheep on its back that needed somebody to help it to get onto its feet to save its life. They needed a shepherd. They needed Jesus. They needed the good shepherd the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. You see, there's the shepherd and there's the compassion again. In Isaiah 40, speaking of Jesus, it says he tends his flock like a shepherd. It says he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close close to his heart, close to his heart of compassion. He gently leads those who have young. And of course, the psalmist, the psalmist writes in Psalm 23, doesn't he? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You see, when Jesus saw the crowds, he saw people. He had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And fifthly then, as we walk through these verses, we see both a great opportunity and a great need. Verse 37a, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. These verses tell us that there's both a great opportunity and a great need. There's a great opportunity because the harvest is plentiful. Evidently, there are many people who would gladly receive Jesus if they only knew about him, if they only knew the truth about him. And it's interesting to note here, I think, that what the problem is that's identified in this passage. You see, for here we see that the message is not the problem. No, the message is good news. And Jesus I love this about Jesus because sometimes you would think the gospel was bad news, but Jesus himself insists that it's good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. The gospel is the one eternal piece of good news in a world that really needs to hear some good news. Jesus brings light and life and love see, the message is not the problem, folks. The message is good news. The message is great news. And the harvest is not the problem either. No, the harvest is plentiful. It's, It's plentiful. It's sitting right there, waiting to be brought in. The problem identified here by Jesus is what? It's the lack of workers, isn't it? It's the lack of workers. And it was a problem then, and it's a problem now. There are too few workers in the church. There are too few workers in the world. And this is a, it's a great tragedy that should drive us to our knees in prayer. And that's exactly what Jesus addresses next. For them, we see sixthly the call to prayer. You know, there are very few times that Jesus tells us explicitly and exactly what to pray for. Very few. There's the Lord's Prayer and then there's what I'm going to call here the other Lord's Prayer. He tells us exactly what to pray for. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, says Jesus in verse 38. You see, in view of such a great need and a great opportunity as well, responsibility, our responsibility is to pray for God to send out more workers into the harvest field to spread the gospel. And notice that prayer comes first. Prayer always comes first. There is no successful ministry or mission without prayer first. First. I love when we have our 24-7 prayer times here at Orangefield. It was was when I was in the prayer zone last week that the Lord laid these verses on my heart to share with you tonight. And I'm very grateful to the folks that arranged and set up the the 24-7 prayer space. So we pray. We pray for God to send workers out into the world. We pray God sends and just like prayer, sending is an essential part of the mission. We can't skip prayer and we can't skip sending. But listen to what Paul says about sending in Romans 10. And, and this, is a, this is a passage that is very personal to me. And We just can't ignore this stuff. And I guess it's, it's one of the passages that God spoke to me about and got me on the move out to, to North Africa for a season some, some years ago. But listen, he says this, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks, how then? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they have believed in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, Romans 10 starts with people being saved, but it works its way back. It works its way back to God sending workers out into, the, into the, the world with the gospel. And if we put Matthew 9 and, and Romans 10 together, we get this, this forward progression of how mission works. We pray, God sends, workers share the gospel. People hear and believe. They call on Jesus and are saved. That's how it works. Every step is important. No step can be skipped or or, or done out of order. It all begins with prayer. It all begins with prayer. If we don't pray, then none of the other steps happen. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Our response, our response, pray, give, go. And I love that it says here, ask, we could easily miss this, but it says, ask the Lord of the harvest. You see, lest we might think it depends on us. It doesn't. No, no, God is the Lord of the harvest. And he will bring in his harvest. He will bring in his harvest. But he invites us to partner with him. He invites us to partner with him in the work. We get the privilege and the joy of partnering with the Lord of the harvest as he gathers in his harvest. So let me encourage all of us to be earnestly petitioning God to send out more workers into the harvest field. If we are to be obedient disciples of Christ, we must be global disciples of Christ. We must have a global outreach outlook, literally from the end of the pew to the end of the earth. We must recognize the great opportunity before us for the gospel. We recognize the the great need of the lost. We pray for God to send more workers into the the world to spread the good news of the gospel. We have some helpful resources here at Orangefield um, to help us in our praying. We have our monthly uh, OPC uh, prayer, uh, prayer letter, prayer for mission from Uh, that's gathering in the information from those who are involved that we support and are connected with us as a congregation at Orangefield. We have our weekly Friday email that has links to uh, local and global um, prayer points and prayer topics. And you know, the, the thing is, be careful what we pray for because the Lord of the harvest will often use us to answer our own prayers. And we can't really pray earnestly for something unless we're willing to be part of the answer can we and that will be either through our giving or our going alongside our praying and I I know that this is a generous congregation I know I know you are a congregation that has the gift of giving Today at this harvest time, we've given thanks to God for, for His faithfulness and His gracious provision. We take the opportunity to express our gratitude, our thankfulness for that. We may give to the building fund. You know, this building is in some ways a barn in which Jesus gathers in His harvest for times of worship and, and service and fellowship and evangelism in and from this place. Or we can give to the... the, the, the The United Appeal for Mission, the fund that supports our denomination's mission locally and globally. Pray, give, go. You know, God doesn't send everyone, but he does call everyone to be part of this great work of missions. We can all pray. We can all give. And insofar as we are able then, we should all be prepared to go wherever he sends As you think about this, perhaps I, I might just recommend a little book for you, and it's called very appropriately, Workers for the Harvest Field. Workers for the Harvest Field, it's a book by the Good Book Company, and a lot of people have found it helpful as they've thought out and sought God's will for their role in all of this. We all have our bit to do. We're all called to work in the harvest field. We are all commissioned to use the gifts that God has given us to share the gospel with our families and our friends, our neighbors, and our colleagues. We are all sent to be fruitful on our front line, in that harvest field in which God has us from day to day in our everyday lives. That's where most of us are called to for most of the time. But, you know, at the same time, some people are called, to, are called by God and sent by Him into either part-time or full-time gospel ministry. This could be to any number of roles within the church as she carries on Jesus' mission to the world. And those workers, well, some will be pastors, shepherds for the, the sheep working as under shepherds to the chief shepherd. Others will be pastoral assistants or family workers, youth or children's workers, deaconesses or counselors. Others might be involved in women's ministry or in church planting others will be outreach workers and missionaries for the vast harvest fields that lie before us both locally and globally i think of the vacancies within our own denomination those sheep without a shepherd perhaps the lord is calling you to do something about that i think of the housing estates and in inner cities the towns and villages and rural areas across this island of ireland Fields that are white unto the harvest and awaiting laborers to, to come to the fields, to labor in them. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to do something about that. And I think of those whole swathes of unreached people groups living in further flung regions of our world, knowing nothing about the, the grace and truth of Jesus. Perhaps God is calling you to do something about that. Tonight, could God be calling you to start to explore the possibility of full-time or part-time gospel ministry? He is, I believe, speaking to each and every one of us here this evening. And the question is, so what is to be our role in his mission? For friends, the word comes down to us again tonight. The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. What is to be our response? Shall we pray together for a moment? Let's pray. Take a a moment in the quiet as God moves amongst us. By His Spirit, He's speaking to us. Just ask Him to Help us to respond to what it is he's saying to us. Take a moment in the quietness of our own hearts to to respond. To respond to him, to give him our yes. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. That in Jesus' death we can have forgiveness for our sins. And reconciled to the Father who loves us. That in his resurrection we can have life. Life in all its fullness. Even life eternal. As we trust in him. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. Father we thank you too for the, the harvest. That is plentiful. People who need and. Long to hear about Jesus. to hear about who he really is and the transformation that he can bring. And Lord, we do thank you for the privilege that is ours to partner with you in your mission, in your harvest field, gathering in your harvest. So help us to discern what role you would have us play in that. Help us to have the courage and the faith to start to step into that. Lord, fill us with your heart and lead us in your love to those around us. For truly, these are the days of the harvest. Come, Lord Jesus. For it is in your precious name, in the power of the Spirit, and to the glory of the Father, we pray. Amen. Amen.